Hello everyone, John here, and welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. Who doesn't like dinosaurs? What about theme parks? Tropical climates? Thunderstorms? Corporate espionage? Samuel L. Jackson chain-smoking? An adventure 65 million years in the making? Look no further than 1993's Jurassic Park. The smash hit directed by none other than Steven Spielberg. Based on the 1990 novel by the one and only Michael Crichton. This week, my friend John returns as we chat about this childhood staple of ours that filled us with wonder and dread and still holds up today as one of the best science fiction adventures ever put to screen. But before we get started, please find me on Instagram and Twitter at BSP Film Podcast. You can also look me up on Facebook. And if you want to drop me a line, BSP Film Podcast at Gmail. But in the meantime, grab your night vision goggles, brush up on your chaos theory, and buckle in your gas powered Jeep as we drive through the gates of Jurassic Park. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Wake up. We're tonight's entertainment. Get some serious gourmet. Shoot! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I lose you. You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! This is this is the uh, this is this is it for you, huh? This is the the cream of the crop. This is the top of Everest. Yes, this is my favorite movie to watch, definitely. And that's because why? Childhood. Childhood. I watch it over and over again. Like every time I go home to Tampa, me and my little sister Jennifer, we watch it like every time. I think every time. A lot of people our age, I think we have this childhood attachment to this film because it came out when we were very young and dinosaurs and it had it's full of dinosaurs and dinosaurs have always been very fun for kids real dinosaurs real and they, they look, look real very real and and we'll talk about this later in more <clears throat> depth i'm sure but uh yeah, these effects from 1993 they hold up still 20 27 years later they still look great yep mm-hmm. and um there's some uh, little factoids about the effects uh, on this film, as far as how much they actually used. Oh yes. What was the, the time? What were the percentages again? The times were um, so it's like I don't know, like what two hour movie? Can yeah, you imagine? it's about and two hours. About two hours. Fifteen minutes had dinosaurs actually on, on screen, and then uh, I believe it was nine minutes of animatronics, the robot dinosaurs, and then six minutes of CGI. 
That's it. And that's CGI. Well, you can still tell it's CGI, obviously. It doesn't... It's not bad. It's not trashy CGI. Yeah. Look, doesn't look like Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. It has aged CGI. well. It has aged very... Gracefully. Very gracefully. Mm-hmm. So that keeps this uh, keeps this film pretty timeless. And my cat is nuzzling against my feet because mm. he wants attention. He, My cat's a little raptor himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just... Yeah, was that was a debate we were having? Like, well, not a debate, but we discussion. Like, would raptors really be that aggressive? And be all murdery? <laughs> oh yeah, would they be there to just kill anything and everything they see, or would they be more like you know, normal animals, like yeah. a, a lion or whatever? They're just like, leave me alone. <laughs> they eat when they're hungry or whatever. Right. They they're just not in a murderous rage all the time. I guess some factors you could probably. So put in to that question was raptors well they're they're hunting they're hunting type of predator and Mm -hmm. they break out of this pen like freedom and then like well let's go (laughs) everyone's against us (laughs) well you never know maybe they would just run away first instead of like attacking everything and everyone maybe they might attack the first couple people because they're in the way but who knows but then they went on then they were out for blood for yes. the end of that film. Murderous rampage <laughs> against small children. They're ready to throw down. And speaking of raptors, well, that's kind of how we open on this film. We have, uh, you know, Jurassic Park. It's this, mm-hmm. this costly American resort off the coast of Costa Rica on this nice big island. And, oh, what do they have here? Is it Disney World? It's not King Kong. Nope. <laughs> Come to find out, we have mm-hmm. genetically engineered dinosaurs. Yep. Crossing all kinds of ethical... <laughs> Boundaries, but mm-hmm. so we got, you know, and then we have to load the raptors, load the dinosaurs into these exhibits. Case in point, we start with the or this raptor, the, the big one. Mm-hmm. This gets putting into the, the pen. The female. The big female. Well, I guess they're all females, but the big female. That's what they call yeah. her. Yeah. The big one. And, uh, oh, yeah, poor, uh, poor Jurassic Park worker. Joffrey, he doesn't uh, mm. doesn't survive the ordeal. Probably he tries to raise the gate. Yeah, but then, yeah, no. And then, Sorry, uh, Joffrey. And then, yeah, like so. I think you were you were asking me earlier about you know where they pull where they bring old girl from because she is in this the transport like uh, transport carrier. She's already full grown. You know, where does she come from? Like she. Maybe she's coming from, like, a crappier pen that she was, like, constantly almost busting out of or something, and they built yeah. a better one, and let's finally get her out of there. Yeah, and I then, know. I don't know, because and then the, whole, the whole thing with the Raptors is, like, why why have them on the tour if you can hardly see them? They're not, it's not an open open plane for their, for them to roam around in, mm-hmm. which has got to be conducive to how pissed off they get, because they are... They like to. They're like dogs. They want to run. They want to stretch their legs out, and they're confined in this tiny ass box. Yep. <laughs> and so, therefore, murderous rampage. I mean, I'm starting to side. I'm starting to side with the Raptors more and more. I think they had a good case. I guess. <laughs> like, like fuck you, people, man. <laughs> but um, yeah. So and then, uh, Jeff Joffrey, oh, or well, our game warden Robert Muldoon. Mm-hmm. You know his. Infamous Shuta and this is that sequence, that continuation from the prologue of the book. Yes, you which is the other about. side of the same story. Which yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry. The the prologue is the continuation of this scene, 
because it's everything that happens right afterwards. Yes. They bring the like destroyed body of Joffrey, who's like still alive, over to the some it was a medical field hospital in Costa Rica. In coast in Costa Rica on the coast there. And like and the doctors are like, uh uh, I don't know what to do with this because he's destroyed, like he's ripped up. And they're like, it, what it, happened? It was a, a construction accident. Yeah, it's construction accident. <laughs> Even though the dude is, keeps saying, El Raptor, El Raptor. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. interesting to look at the parallels, the book, between the book and the movie. But um, it was interesting to, to think, that, to showcase um, not that part of the book <clears throat> as an opener, but rather this p- beginning part of that story, mm-hmm. how he gets hurt in the movie. And I think it's because we wanted to see a dinosaur doing something in the beginning. We want to see an actual... We don't really, even really see the raptor. We just... We know it's there. We know it's there. You see its eye. You see, like... You know that it's a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. And I was a kid. I didn't know what kind of dinosaur it was. I didn't know what raptors were. I was yeah. seven, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Too young. I didn't. I knew what a T-Rex was and Triceratops were. Yeah, I was five when this came out. And, I, I mean, I didn't see it in theaters or anything. But, yeah, I had no idea what it was right off the bat. <laughs> Joffrey, raise the gate! attack and then we uh we move on and we meet our engine representative uh or uh, our investor representative donald Gennaro. our little lawyer guy who's kind of weasley kind of slimy but you know you know he's there for business and um so john hammond who actually owns Jurassic park who, who we'll meet soon enough you know Gennaro explains that we have to have some High quality scientists, people kind of come in, kind of vet the park, yeah, make sure it's good. Vouch for it and everything. And uh, to make sure the investors don't run away mm-hmm. and they avoid some lawsuits. And uh, and they mention our, our heroes to be, Dr. Alan Grant. And but you'll never get him out of Montana. Why not? Because he's a digger. <laughs> and and they find, uh, I, wasn't seeing that, um, I didn't understand what the scene meant. On first first viewing, but um, that one digger that Gennaro was speaking with holds up a piece of amber with the mosquito inside. You mean Ernesto Escobedo. Yes, the guy who famously played the brilliant bad guy from Clear and Present Danger, also classic '90s action suspense. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of subdued in most of its parts, but yeah. I'm getting off topic here. <laughs> anyway, Harrison Ford in his prime. Um, yeah, so we see a, a glimpse of what the Mosquito and Amber looks like, but we cut straight to uh, Montana, mm-hmm. 
and to come come meet Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler, and it's a great great reverse sequence. I love this of the brushing away of the dirt, revealing the Velociraptor skeleton preserved, and it's which would never happen. Why is that? Oh, you never find like whole animals. Skeleton, yeah, like in perfect I condition. I want to say they found a few like that, or at least more put together than you find the, broken like, up. If you find anything, it's the little tiny ones because they get like stuck in like the mud or whatever. But the bigger ones, they never find whole. Yeah. Ooh, thank you, thank you. My week, my weekly report is available. Wow. How much screen time I've had? Wow, <laughs> it's down two hours. Good for you. Good for me. Look at me. I'm doing more things with my life that's productive and not attached to a screen, mm. says the guy hosting a podcast. And, uh, <laughs> mm. where are we at? Okay. So, Doctor, we see Dr. Grant played by Sam Neill and, and Dr. Sadler, Ellie Sadler played by Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. You know, they're archaeo- uh, archaeologist, paleontologist, and paleobot- paleobotanist. Yep. And they're in Montana, they're on a dig site. Um, Funded by John Hammond and company, mm-hmm. and uh, we see first we see two things. We learn two things about Dr. Grant immediately. His aversion to, to technology, yep. and his annoyance with children. Hatred of children. <laughs> yeah, he hates kids. And to be fair, that one kid he has to deal with is a, kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, kind of a, a, like a little brat. I'm like, who invited this kid to this dick site? Like, why are you here? Why is he there? Why is yeah. he there? I mean, I would assume he's, like, visiting his parents or something. I don't know. I, th- I think why he, the character is there in the story is to show us to that. further the story. Yeah. Of course. And to reveal how Grant feels about children, which plays into plays into uh, account later. Going to the whole Spielberg's father-son motif. No. No. Say it ain't so. No. And even the word raptor means bird of prey. That doesn't look very scary. More like a six-foot turkey. <laughs> turkey, huh? Oh, no. Okay. Try to imagine go. yourself in the Cretaceous period. You get your first look at this six-foot turkey as you enter a clearing. He moves like a bird, lightly bobbing his head. And you keep still because you think that maybe his visual acuity is based on movement like T-Rex. And he'll lose you if you don't move. But no, not Velociraptor. You stare at him, and he just stares right back. And that's when the attack comes, not from the front, but from the side. From the other two raptors, you didn't even know were there. Because Velociraptor's a pack hunter, you see. He uses coordinated attack patterns, and he is out in force today. And he slashes at you with this. Six-inch retractable claw, like a razor, on the middle toe. He doesn't bother to bite your jugular like a lion, say. No, no. He slashes at you here or here. Or maybe across the belly, spilling your intestines. The point is, you are alive when they start to eat you. So, you know, try to show a little respect. And then uh, John Hammond shows up. He just helps him, helps his ass yeah. right into the trailer. The helicopter flies in, and then he's like miraculously in the trailer already. Or he must have hauled ass or into was, the trailer. It's either that, or like he got driven there, and he was there, and then a helicopter came to pick him up. I, 
whatever it is, he's in the trailer really quickly. He is, and he's rummaging in their fridge. I know. And they're, he's, they're like, "What the hell are you doing?" When he, they walk in, and uh, until he, and we meet him, he's he like this nice, chippy old man. You can tell he's got like the grandpa oh, spirit, grandpa vibe. Very charming. Very oh, yeah. charming old man. Like as opposed to the one written in the book, who's a douchebag. Yes, who's very business driven. This guy's more family driven, and he wants to share his, the wonder of his discoveries with the, the world. And that's why he's, you know, that's why he's baiting Grant and Sadler to come down to the island. Mm-hmm. Hey, come on, sign off on the island, have a good time, have a few drinks, have mm-hmm. a few, have a few, a few laughs. It'll, it'll be great. And uh, I like how everyone, no one really suspects and knows what's on the island. Mm-hmm. Like how, you know, how what kind of biological preserve is it? You know, because no, because it's, it's it's too astounding to believe it's, it's dinosaurs. Right up their alley, so. It is right, completely, but. What does that mean? Hmm. Of course, us as the audience, we already know the cat's already out of the bag with us. Yeah. What the hell do you think you're doing in here? Hey, we were saving that. It's day. I guarantee it. Who in God's name do you think you are? John Hammond. And I'm delighted to meet you finally in person, Dr. Grant. Stop. I can see that my... Uh, Fifty thousand a year has been well spent. Okay, who's the jerk? Uh, this is our paleobotanist, Doctor Sattler. Sattler, uh-huh. Ellie, this is uh, Mr. Hammond. Oh, sorry about the dramatic entrance, Doctor Sattler, but uh, I'm in a bit of a hurry. <laughs> Will you have a drink? Uh, we won't if you get warm. Come along, sit down, sit down. Oh, um, well, uh, just get a glass yeah, or two. Yeah. That's all. No, 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 no. I can manage this. Samples. You, I know my way around the kitchen. Now, I'll get right to the point. Um. I like you, both of you. I can tell instantly about people. It's a gift. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. I've leased it from the government and I spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve. Really spectacular, spared no expense. Make the one I've got down in Kenya look like a petting zoo. (laughs) And there's no doubt our attractions will drive kids out of their minds. What are those? Small versions of adults, honey. And not just kids, everyone. We're going to open next year. That is if the lawyers don't kill me first. I I don't care for lawyers. Do you? Oh, Oh, we, uh... I don't don't really know. Well, I do, I'm afraid. There's a particular pebble in my shoe represents my investors. Says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, you're kind not to put too fine a point on it. I mean... Let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. And if I could just persuade you to sign off on the park, you know, get your endorsement, maybe even pen a, a wee testimonial, I could get back on schedule. Uh, schedule. Why would they care what we think? What kind of park is this? It's right up your alley. Even still, it's when we finally do see the characters seeing... The dinosaurs. It's still we still kind of feel that sense of wonder and awe. Like holy oh, yeah. shit, this is mm-hmm. a fucking dinosaur. Yep. Um, we're not there yet. We have to meet <clears> our. <throat> someone some would call him an antagonist. I would call him more of a MacGuffin. But we meet Dennis Nedry, mm-hmm. the programmer for Jurassic Park security and computer systems, and he's some fucking restaurant in Costa Rica. And what's he doing? He's conducting corporate espionage. Oh yeah. But first, he's going to have some some pie and some. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Some, a lot of food. A lot of food. On the table. Old Newman. Good old Wayne Knight. Mm. He was also good in Space Jam. Yes, he was. Yes. He was a good character in Space Jam. Yeah, he, he was he's, a good guy. He was a good guy in Space Jam. He's trying to mm-hmm. find Mike. Anyway, Dodson shows up, or is it? Dodgson. Dodgson. Yep. Well, it's spelled. It's spelled. D O D G. D O D G S O N. Mm-hmm. But they just, the pronunciation is Dodson for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> sure it is. But they, whatever. They said it, not me. <laughs> My question was, what are they? What are they planning to do with the embryos once they have them? I, I was wondering what the next step of that Dodson's company would have been. Is to it catch just, up on fifteen years of research. Well, I mean that's you know, sure, but to do what with it? What was the what's their end game? Um, I don't really remember from the book, but I'm sure they go over it. Mm. The movie does not. It doesn't. It's like a little side plot in the movie. But kind of, it's kind of the main driving force, too. And that's the, that's the point. It pushes Nedry to uh, to conduct his espionage tactics. And, uh, yeah, like, Nedry is the kind of guy who's, like, upset with his work environment, and that's why he's doing it. Yeah. Because he doesn't like John Hammond. Yeah, Nedry's... He definitely plays the victim every time you talk to him. Yeah. He's like, oh, man. Blah, that's, blah. that's one thing I remember is, like, he's... The reason he's doing it is because he's just... He's been... Getting himself into debt and things like that, like from the book, like he's yeah. he's in debt, he's got all these things he needs to pay off, and then here like, comes this John Hammond won't pay him more, he won't give him a raise or anything like that. Because John Hammond's a prick in the book. Yeah, he's a, he's a prick in the book. <laughs> he won't give him a raise, even though Nedry is the guy doing all of the work. He's he is in the book. He's literally doing the work of like fifteen dudes, if I remember right, and he's doing it at a low low rate for somebody who's doing that much work. John Hammond won't pay him, and so one thing leads to another, and he is... Um, he's groomed. He's yeah, seduced he's by Dawson's crew. By, by, yeah, by his company. And they kind of uh, bring him into the fold to kind of, hey, buddy, we'll uh, give you, a, like, a lot of money. <laughs> Dodson! Shouldn't use my name. Dodson! Dodson! We've got Dodson here! See, nobody cares. Nice hat. What are you trying to look like? A secret agent? 750. On delivery, 50,000 more for each viable embryo. That's 1.5 million if you get all 15 species off the island. Oh, I'll get them all. Remember, viable embryos. They're no use to us if they don't survive. How am I supposed to transport them? Bottom screws open. It's cool to compartmentalize inside. You got so that's great. Customs can even check it if they want to. Let me see. Go on. There's enough coolant inside for 36 hours. No menthol? The, em- the embryos have to be back here in San Jose by then. And that's up to your guy on the boat. 7 o'clock tomorrow night on the east dock. Make sure he gets it right. How are you planning to beat security? Oh, I've got an 18-minute window. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. I could, I could, I could live with that kind of money. Yeah. I don't know about the ramifications in, in my... 1993? Breaking yeah. my ethical principles, but... Um, you could live with that. And, um... But we cut two, and now we're going to get right to the island. We have uh, Sadler, 
Ellie Sadler, Dr. Grant, and John Hammond in a helicopter accompanied by Slimy Gennaro mm. and the wonderful Dr. Ian Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Played by Jeff Goldblum. One only, one and only. Mm-hmm. He's uh, fantastic. I love, he's just fun to watch. He's very, speaking of charming, he's very charismatic, mm-hmm. very sure of himself, very confident, very, you know, I, he's just a treat to watch mm-hmm. every time he's on screen because he's so smart. He's so, <laughs> his stupid laugh. Speaking of his stupid laugh, there's a, uh, I believe, a 10-hour loop on YouTube that I highly recommend. You think I, I need that in my life? Absolutely. 10 hours of Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thing, yes. Everyone needs it in their life at some point oh, or another. The, the beauty, beauty of, of YouTube mm-hmm. and the internets. Oh, yes. Uh, and, um, yeah, and then... Also, uh, you know, they're 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 uh, dropping in the helicopter and Grant's all like, can't figure out the fucking seatbelt. Oh yeah, this is where it, you know a little little character development. Mm-hmm. Really quick character development of oh no. I mean, but two just, fe- two female ends of the seatbelt. Life bl- finds a way. Bl- blows his mind. You get know. It? Get it? Because they're female dinosaurs. I get it. Yeah. I get it. But also, we haven't gotten there yet. No, we haven't gotten there yet. Good foreshadowing. But it also, is. but also, um, Grant's a scientist, dude. Like, you can't figure out a fucking seatbelt. Come on, man. But it, it, it's, but it, it's. He's a man's man. He just tied the knot. He did. He's he, like, he figured it out. He's like, fuck it. Um, <laughs> we'll do it live. We'll do it live. And then they get the they get out of the helicopter. They're the jeeps, and and Gennaro is putting the screws to Hammond a little bit, you know, on the way to uh, their first stop, which is the Brachiosaurus. Mm-hmm. I'll shut you down, John. Yep. You know, again, it's like, does he have to be such a tough guy? He's not a tough guy. Like in the book, he's a bad, he's a badass. Yeah. But here, he's just like, well, I'll tell on you, and we'll shut you down, man. <laughs> and uh, Hammond's all like, very confident, like, eh. In 48 hours, I'll be accepting your apology. Yep. But in 48 hours, Gennaro will be T-Rex shit. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't seen Jurassic Park, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> At this point, it's been out 27 years, folks. Yeah, that's your own fault. That's your own fault. And, um... <clears throat> yeah, we arrive, we see, uh, you know... Sattler, our little paleobotanist, she pulls its leaf off and mm-hmm. she's looking, she's investigating this leaf. She's like, it shouldn't be here. This is, what the hell? And yep. and that's just like the tip of the tip. And then he grabs her by the face and <laughs> turns her head to look at the dinosaur. This giant brachiosaurus just hovering over everybody. And that score. Ugh. Oh, the score is perfect. Uh, John Williams. John Williams just struck gold again mm-hmm. with the, every. Every part of the score, like the dun 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 dun, dun. so good, all of it, it's all great, it's all great, and uh, it's funny because now you watch the reactions of uh, Grant, Sattler, Malcolm, and Gennaro, and they're all they all react a little differently. Mm-hmm. You know, Gennaro is like, "Ooh, he sees dollar signs." Malcolm's like, just cracking up because he's like, "This is ridiculous." Crazy son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> Because, well, like, I, I mean, I don't know if they, they carry it over from the book to the movie because they don't really say, but in the book, like, 
Ian Malcolm is, he's known what the park is since the beginning. Like, he helped them start working on it, kind of. Oh. At least that's what I remember. Interesting. But, uh... And, um, yeah, then, so he, he, he kind of knows what it is, mm-hmm. and, but he's never seen it in person, if I remember right. So he's all, they're all blown away. Yeah, or... and he's just like, wow, holy shit, they actually did it. And everybody else is like, what the hell? Like, they had no idea. I mean, you know. Yes. I assume they, they thought it was going to be like a, like dinosaur land on, you know, was it I-4 in Florida? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very low scale. Yeah. <laughs> I assume that's what they thought it was going to be, like a, a museum type thing with fossils and then like robot dinosaurs or something. Who knows what they thought it was going to be. It doesn't apply. They're totally wrong. This is a warm-bodied creature. This thing doesn't live in a swamp. This thing's got, what, a 25, 27-foot neck? Brachiosaurus 30. The T-Rex is 32 miles an hour. T-Rex? Mm-hmm. You said you've got a T-Rex? Uh-huh. Say again. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. Wow. Put your, put your head between your knees. <laughs> Dr. Grant. My dear Dr. Sattler. Welcome to Jurassic Park. But no, they they cracked the code. They, they made it happen and... Grant asks John Hammond, "How'd you do this?" And um, we're about to, we're about to find out. We go to the visitor center, mm-hmm. and uh, we get on a small little tour, a small little inside the visitor center tour. We meet Mister Visitor DNA, mm. a little animatronic um, tour ride, and we see the engineers and scientists, and you know we meet Doctor Wu, and uh, he's like the the chief geneticist, and. Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. All good? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just making noises. Right. But and yeah, Henry Wu. Henry Wu. Henry Wu. And, um, and then from there we know uh, while the baby, the baby rapper is bursting out of its egg, mm-hmm. its eggshell, you know, Malcolm poses the question, what do you, you know, how do you know the count of the animals if you can't account for the ones born in the wild? But they, uh, as he explains, they deny them the chromosome that makes them male. You deny them that? Yes. They're like, whoa, that's a strong word to be using <clears throat> around nature. You deny them something. And, yeah, and Grant and Sadler and Malcolm were kind of, like, cocking their head a little bit, like, how do you do this? And um, Like, that's a dangerous game. It is. Playing, and uh, Playing God. Playing like God. That. 
But um, again, how do you know they're all female? When somebody yeah. got in the park and pull up the dinosaur skirts? We control their chromosomes. It's really not that difficult. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. But we simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, well, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. We cut to the raptor pen, because um, Grant looks at the baby raptor in his hands like, um, oh, why love, do you have these? <laughs> I love how the lighting changed. Like, as soon as it, it turned a little bit dark, the lighting got dark like harsh shadows and stuff and it makes the raptor go from oh it's a cute little baby dinosaur to this thing is pure evil is what it looks like yes this is not something we should have created <laughs> yeah it's not that the, not that the raptor is evil but yeah it's like whoa it's a representation uh, of this is dark stuff like you can't be messing with no mother nature like this and we the raptor pen we we see our game warden doctor or not doctor Robert Muldoon again. He could be a doctor for all you know. He could be a doctor. I'm I'm cutting, I'm selling him short. I should have done that. You're right. The doctor of animal hunting. (laughs) Is that a thing? No, probably not. But, Well, he he blows it later, but anyway. They should all of them be destroyed. (laughs) Yeah, and we see the very, the very nasty way they have to feed the the raptors. We have the steer that's that's tied to the crane. Poor cow. Poor cow. And yet there's no blood. There's no blood. Family movie. Of course, family friendly. Family friendly, and um, it's 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 disheartening. We see Hammond's <clears throat> reaction. Hammond's wa- Hammond's watching Grant's reaction to the feeding, and mm-hmm. he knows he's like, man, I, I'm not really doing a great job of selling this, this isn't island. Good so far. Yeah. No. Um, he's like, I desperately need to get them out on the tour. And they pull the crane back up, and the thing is destroyed. And, and meanwhile, Muldoon is kind of like covering all the basics of the Raptors and how mm-hmm. they're systematically testing the fences, how smart they are and how yeah. much of a pain in the ass. How fast they are. Like, cause he's been working with them for, I, we assume weeks, months, yeah. maybe, maybe years. I don't know. And he, he feels really justified in, in, you know, like in his position of like, we shouldn't have these on this Island. There's no point in having this and again back to my point like you can't really see them what's the point of having them on an exhibit yeah. i get it like in the normal zoo we have like your lions and tigers and bears mm-hmm. oh my but like you can actually see them this you can't even they haven't still they haven't created a a, a, a exhibit a pen that can even display these animals because they they have to run open they're very violent they're very intelligent and it's just like rolling the dice every time you even deal with these creatures mm-hmm. anyway I'm being ahead of myself for later things, but we we cut to the um, you know John Hammond's like oh who's hungry? Yep. <laughs> we He's cut like, to the... let's get the hell out of here. And yeah. We can yeah move yeah. on get away from the death creatures. <laughs> the death creatures. Well, I don't know why. Chilean sea bass. Yeah, and we we had this great roundtable discussion, um, brilliantly sparked by by Ian Malcolm about how you know I love it I love his speech about how he basically knocks Hammond down a peg and says, look, man, this is great, 
But should you have done this? Mm -hmm. Should you and your scientists have, have taken this leap? Gee, the lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here um, staggers me. Well, thank you, Dr. Malcolm, but I think things are a little bit different than you and I had feared. Yeah, I know. They're a lot worse. Now, wait a second. Now, we haven't even seen the part where no, 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 Don't let him talk. There's no reason. No, no, I want to hear every viewpoint. I really do. Yeah, don't you see the danger, uh, John, inherent uh, in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. It's hardly appropriate to start hurling generalizations. If I may. Um, I'll tell you the problem with the scientific power that you're that you're using here. Uh, it didn't require any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it? Well. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. Condors. Condors are on the verge of extinction. And if oh. I wish to could no, no, if I wish to create a flock of condors on this island, you wouldn't have anything to say. No, hold on. This isn't this isn't some species that was obliterated by deforestation or or the building of a dam. Dinosaurs. Uh, uh, had their shot, and nature selected them for extinction. I simply don't understand this Luddite attitude, especially from a scientist. I mean, how can we stand in the light of discovery and, and not act? Oh, what's so great about discovery? It's a violent, penetrative act that scars what it explores, what you call discovery. I call the rape of the natural world. And it's funny, this is another scene that, like, just like Jaws, I hated these scenes when I was a kid. And yeah, it's like, now show, show I, me the dinosaurs. Yeah, I want to see dinosaurs, or like in Jaws, I want to see the shark. I don't care about character development. But now it's like, this is an important scene, and I understand why it's there. And I don't fast forward it anymore <laughs> as an adult. Yeah, this I actually kind of look forward to it. Yeah, this is one of the scenes I really like to dial in on and, and really observe because it's it's a great discussion, conversation piece about, you know, the ethical uh, boundaries and technology advancements um, we face as humans when we make mm -hmm. these leaps and bounds in discovery. and Especially in the realm of, like, genetics and things like that. Like, that's a, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah. it's a creating life or whatever. And it's, should you be doing that? In you know, Dr. Sattler, Dr. Grant, they side with Malcolm, much to the dismay of, of John Hammond. He's like, mm -hmm. God damn it. Like, he's supposed to, you here to sell. Yeah, help me sell this place. The only one on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. And, of course, Gennaro is all about, mm -hmm. you know, uh, capital returns and, and making some, some green off of this oh, place. Yeah. $10,000 a day. People will pay it. Could have a coupon day. Coupon Don't forget about day. the coupon day. Coupon day. You now cut those out of the newspaper. <laughs> Save up your nickels and dimes, kids. Go see some, go see some dinosaurs. And, uh, um, but we, you know, we, you know, we get uh, interrupted because now Dr. Hammond's grandkids, Lex and Tim, show up, mm -hmm. um, who are very different in the movie how they are represented in the novel. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tim is the older sibling in the book. Yeah, and he's the computer nerd. Yeah, he's the older computer nerd, and then Lex is the younger 
like tomboy and she's <clears throat> not she's kind of well wasted used. she's an oxygen oxygen thief in the book yeah she doesn't do anything no whereas um, they gave her purpose in the movie which is good yeah and um tim is kind of the one that's like tell me about your relationship to little, tim a little bit useless in the book in the movie but uh so tim is kind of like how i i saw myself to be like him when i was well yeah because i i'm very much like him like having the the books about sharks or dinosaurs or what have you because mm-hmm. i mean i loved jaws and i loved jurassic park when i was a kid so i was all about learning about the animals that are in those movies and stuff so yeah i had dinosaur pajamas i had dinosaur yep. bed sheets i just i love dinosaurs <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh so Always i also had, very much related to tim and uh, i had my jurassic park t-rex like the rubber one that would like move around and had bones <laughs> inside that's had pretty a skeletal cool. structure so oh, yeah. it could like actually hold different poses it was awesome i never had one of those that sounds pretty fun it was awesome it was pretty sweet i wish i had the truck though the little jeep the gas powered jeep the gas power. we'll get on that later mm-hmm. um so and then more character development with grant and as tim tim looks up to grant like like an idol he's so because mm-hmm. he, tim knows who he is yeah he's like he, a, he's, he's like read a, his book he's like a hero yeah and grant's like fucking kids oh my god get away from me <laughs> Which is again different from the book because in the book he likes kids. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. But that's, that's that's definitely Steven Spielberg shining through. Yeah, he took that and was like, "Oh, I can totally use this and, uh-huh. and have like my, that father son thing that I love to do." Mm, exactly. Mm-hmm. And we start our tour, and they're on these electronically charged on uh, the track, the the Ford Explorers. Also, Tim and Lex's parents are getting divorced in the. In the book and movie, I believe. Yes. So that's another important little through line and why Tim looks up to him so much. Mm-hmm. He has a father figure. He needs a new father figure. Yeah. And uh, not that Grant's going to be it forever, but, but he's going to be... Currently. Yeah. Currently. He fills in the gap for mm-hmm. now. And uh, the tour starts. We go through the, the impressive giant gates mm-hmm. with the, the eponymously, eponymously labeled Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And yeah. What do they got in there, King Kong? Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, we do have, on the first stop, a, a no-show, Mr. Dilophosaurus guy. Just mm-hmm. nowhere to be seen. Yep. I think I think in that scene you can kind of hear it chirping in the background somewhere, I want to say. You hear stuff, but you never know really no. what it is. Right. Not till yeah. later. Could be anything in the jungle. Who knows? And then we get to the T-Rex paddock, and mm-hmm. um, you know they try to entice him out with the goat because he's not around either. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like that. I mean, I'm not trying to like be a critic of park layout, but like, if that's like the one spot, the one sweet spot for the tour stop, like you think the pen would be a little smaller? Like, yeah. how big is this pen? The T Rex pen is massive. So, what are the odds that a tour would always massive be graciously able to see that you wouldn't be able to? He'd be out yeah. running around doing whatever, and uh, mm-hmm. so no T Rex for now. So we keep it moving. They leave the goat there. Leave the goat there. He's just hanging out. And, <clears throat> and then we have the great little Ian Malcolm water droplets. Yep. And chaos uh, theory. He, chaos theory explained by Dr. Malcolm. That's my cat's making noises. <laughs> my cat's so dramatic. <laughs> he's so weird. He's such a weird cat. What's he doing? Oh, he just laying. Okay, he's not doing anything. He's just chilling. He just, he just, Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Father. No. Okay. 
Okay. And so, yeah, Ian Malcolm is all putting the moves a little bit on, uh, on Dr. Sadler. And, uh, you know, he's very seductive, very charming, mm -hmm. and uh, but he's also yeah. explaining good... Always on the lookout for a future ex-Mrs. Malcolm. Yeah, but he's putting he's putting some good points out there about how nothing no system is is flawless. Yeah, and uh, in the deep the deep the book dives way deeper into this um, yeah, by hundreds of pages. But yeah. oh yeah, like it spends a lot of time. It's still not clear on chaos. Oh oh, it it, it it's, uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability in complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. Why? <laughs> <laughs> and then I go too fast. I go too fast. I did a flyby. No. Give, give me that big glass of water. I'll show. We're going to conduct an experiment. It should be still. The car's bouncing up and down. But that's OK. It's just an example. Now, put your hand flat like a hieroglyphic. Now, let's say a drop of water falls in your hand. Which way is the drop going to roll off? Over which finger or over the thumb or the other side? Thumb. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Okay, now freeze your hand, freeze your hand. Don't move. I'm going to do the same thing. Start with the same same place again. Right. Which way is going to roll off? Let's say back. Yep. Same way. So, same way. Same back. Same way. <gasps> it changed. It changed. Why? Because tiny variations, uh, the, the orientation of the hairs on your hands. Hey, Alan, look at this. Um, the amount of blood distending your vessels, imperfections in the skin. Imperfections in the skin? Microscopic, and never repeat and vastly affect the outcome. That's important. Unpredictability. There. Look at this. See? See? I'm right again. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. Alan! There's uh, another example. <laughs> See, here I'm now by myself uh, uh, talking to myself. That's, that's chaos theory. We get like the the biggest wave top version possible of this, mm -hmm. and chaos is defined. Alice Sadler just immediately jumps out of the vehicle after Grant jumps out of the vehicle because they mm -hmm. see a, a sick it's, triceratops. Yeah, they see something out there, and they see the jeep, and they're like, "What the hell is that?" And they mm -hmm. go run and check it out. And we have our little sick triceratops, mm -hmm. and um, Alice Sadler, our, our paleobotanist, gets another moment to shine because she's mm -hmm. looking for these berries that, uh, while they exist now would not exist when dinosaurs were walking around. So yep. dinosaurs and these berries don't mix. So mm -hmm. dinosaurs are probably getting sick off of it. And Yeah, because that's like what her whole purpose is in the movie is like she talks about being the paleobotanist. She's the uh, plant expert, I guess, you know. Right. And that's, whole, her, that's her whole through line is like she's trying to figure out like what is making these animals sick because what they say every six weeks this happens where mm -hmm. they get sick. And yeah. they have to figure out what's going on. And she kind of establishes that, hey, these plants weren't here when they were alive millions of years ago. So uh, that's probably what's making them sick. Yeah. And the Therefore, she needs to dig around in their poop to find out for sure. That is one big pile of shit. No trace of lilac berries. It's so odd, though. All right, so she's suffering from heliotoxicity every six weeks. Let's see. 
decides to hang out with Dr. Harding, who's very, very scaled down in the movie. Oh, God. Um, yeah. He's a major character in the book. Yeah. And he's in, he has a Jeep. He can take her back later with a when they're done. Jeep. A gas powered Jeep. So the rest of our company gets back into the Ford Explorers. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, they head back, they head back to, uh, I guess they had to circle back and go back through the Tyrannosaur paddock to get back to the visitor center. And that's where they, that's where the power shuts off. Um, yeah. But why does the power shut off? Well, why does it? Well, first off, the 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 ruse is the uh, the storm's coming, yeah. and the storm's on its way, and mm-hmm. oh, that's the reason. But really, we have who we have? Our, Dennis, our, Nedry. Dennis Nedry, Newman, a, Newman, and you know, we got we got to point out the uh, the the nice little uh, image that's on Nedry's computer, Doctor Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. and the uh, how fitting it is that he has, you know, the guy responsible for the, the atomic bomb, you know, I am become death, just really foreshadows the, the devastation that Nedry inadvertently causes because of his selfish acts. Mm-hmm. And um, so he, so Nedry times, <laughs> oh, you love that one part when he's flipping out. Oh, when yeah, he's, when he's, like, trying to come up with an excuse to leave his workstation. Yeah. <laughs> and... Because the whole scene right before that, he's just being a dick to everybody. Yeah. Like, he's like, I really will, I'm not going to get another financial debate with you, Dennis. And he's like, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Like, <laughs> just being a douchebag about everything, arguing with everybody for no reason. And then suddenly he's like, hey, guys, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the vending machine. Do you, do you guys need anything? Mm-hmm. You want anything? I mean, I'm just going to get some snacks, maybe a soda. You guys want, want a soda? Anything like that? And he's like, like, Fumbling over his words, he's sweating profusely, and suddenly being a nice guy about wanting to get other people's stuff, and then like, I just oh by the way, everything's gonna turn off while I'm gone. Just by the way, don't 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 worry about it. It'll be, it'll be back. Everything it'll, it'll turn back on. It'll turn back on. But just like like fifteen minutes. Like like the cutaway, the cut to Samuel Jackson, Samuel L. Jackson's character, and he's all like, uh, "What?" <laughs> he looks so confused. So much for our first tour. Two no-shows and one sick triceratops. It could have been worse, John. A lot worse. Anybody want a, a soda or something? Because uh, I'm, I'm going up the machine. I thought maybe, you know, I, I'd get somebody something. Because I, I had all these sweets, and I think I'm going to get something salty. I thought maybe some would go. Oh, uh, I uh, finished debugging the phones. Uh, I, you know, I was gonna do, deb- so I did. I, I, you know, told me that, so I, I debugged the phones, and uh, I thought maybe uh, uh, you should tell you that the uh, system is gonna be uh, compiling for uh, 18 or 20 minutes. So some of the minor systems they might go on or off for a while, but it's nothing to worry about. It's just a simple thing. So he grabs his little shaving cream can with the hidden, hidden compartment, and he starts swiping all the specimens out of the mm-hmm. the casings, and um, he's gone. He's a, uh, you know. He, he, he bounces out of there. Meanwhile, the tour, we go back to our tour group. They're stopped at the T-Rex paddock, and they, they can't move. And it's like all the shitty places to stop. Mm-hmm. You know, our goat, a little goat, <clears throat> Mr. Goatman, he's just... Still sitting there. He's just sitting there, relaxing. Just chilling in the rain. Yeah. They were, it's like they were going to leave him chained up to a pole throughout the entire tropical storm. Looks that way. That's what it looks like. Oh, well, he's already Rex food, so... I mean, T-Rex was going to eat him eventually. 
I yes. guess. And he does. Yeah. Um, but still, animal cruelty. So, and, uh, <laughs> but then they, they notice Lex, Lex, and, Lex and Tim, or Tim discovers the night vision goggles. Yeah. He's like, the goat's missing. His little, the chain's kind of swinging off the pole. Yep. Pole's and then, bent. Chain's swinging there. Where's the goat? <laughs> yep. And then a goat leg on top of the car. <laughs> and then now we know the power's out because we see a little T-Rex paw kind of hanging off the top rope. Yep. Of the top electrical line. Oh, man. And then we have a really great, great scene of just dread as the the... the Fence rips away. Yeah, the and lines out. snap. The high tension wire snaps. And then T Rex just walks on out. Oh, we can't forget the uh, the footsteps. Oh, the you're water right. drop thing. The not the water drop, but the the ripple. You're right. That's a well. That's they. So they did that. It's so iconic. It's like, so iconic. People use it all the time still. And they how they did that. Um, they were plucking a guitar string under the dash. Yep. And it was making the water ripple because they couldn't and figure out how else to do it. In just the perfect way where the ripple was coming from the metal. Right. Yeah, because they could figure it out for it just to ripple, but not like to come from the center of the glass instead of like from a side or whatever. And, and they've used that as like a marketing gimmick later on in future films of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, right. That's a great, like, just the, just the dreading boom. Boom, and mm-hmm. the was like, oh, it's the power. It's the trying, power trying to come trying back, to back on. on. Yeah. And, uh, yep. But no, here comes the T-Rex, and he's here, and he's ready to play. And um, oh, we, yeah. we get a great scene where Jero bails on the kids. He runs to the Port of John or wherever he goes to, and, um, you know, Grant and, and uh, Malcolm are just watching in horror as the T-Rex tears this Jeep apart that's got the kids inside of it. Yeah. Oh, man. But that scene, though, with the flashlight and the... T-Rex eye. I love the... Right before that, though, I love the part where it's just kind of like looking ahead, looking over the, the car, mm-hmm. and the door is open because Gennaro took off and ran away. Yeah. And Tim, like, reaches outside to shut the door, and as soon as it shuts, that robot dinosaur so quickly, like, just stares right at Tim. Yeah. Looks down at him, and, like, that's it's so crazy to me that they could do that make it look I don't know if they did that in the editing room make it look so fast or if it was like the robot itself doing it but man it's cool oh yeah it's awesome it looks so real they, they sold me on the T-Rex yeah it like, looks so real like the, you get to, the rain definitely helps I it, think the rain and the darkness definitely helped mm-hmm. cover up some of the but then that the eyeball you're talking about you're about to say yeah when she's when Lex is in shock and she just they turn the flashlight on, on on accident, and T Rex lowers its head to look at the look look inside the window, and oh, it, it dilates. The pupil dilates yep. and re- mm-hmm. retracts. Oh, restricts and then dilates. Oh and, man, oh, it's creepy. <sighs> but how how they did that again animatronically is crazy. It's, it's so a, cool. It's a good feat and still holds up. Still creeps me out to watch it. Yep. Um, it makes it look so much more real than if it was to just look down and. Blink a couple times. Boy, do I hate being right all the time. And then Grant, we have Grant with the flare, who's uh, 
testing his, he's very boldly testing his theory that T-Rexes will lose you if you don't move. So he throws the flare and he holds still, but then Malcolm's like, oh, I gotta do this too. So Malcolm jumps out of his side of the Jeep with a flare and yeah, try. Oh, my neighbors are loud. Mm. Um, but and he, he busts the flare out and he's swinging it around like, hey, come over here. And he takes off running. Right. Because he doesn't know about the whole, you know, the bold theory of right. if you don't move, it can't see you. Right. Well, Grant tells him, but I think in the moment, Malcolm was just like, fuck, man, this is, <laughs> it's a big fucking dinosaur. He takes off running. And he which, gets in turn leads to him getting flipped into the um, the shed, the, the bathroom. The bathroom, yeah. Just kind of sitting there. The bathroom breaks away with his little shorts, short shorts on, his little short suit thing. And but he's all, it's all for nothing because he just gets swallowed on up he by gets, the T Rex. He gets eight. He gets eight. Mm-hmm. He's done. Eight real good. And then you know I I can't I can't let this go, man. That plot hole with the fucking wall. It's fine. No, it's not fine. <laughs> Suspend your disbelief. There's dinosaurs. You can. You'll live. For people that don't know what I'm talking about, um, the T-Rex walks out of his paddock, but then he knocks the Jeep into the same paddock, and the Jeep falls down this giant cliff, down to like a ravine. So I'll respond with the same answer Steven Spielberg did. So what? <laughs> Who cares? I mean... It's cool. It is cool. So it's kind of, kind of roll with it. So Tim gets knocked out. He's still in the Jeep, and the Jeep gets knocked off the ravine. It lands into a tree... Mm-hmm. Lex and uh, Grant <clears throat> climb down. Eventually, Grant come, climbs back up and pulls Tim out of the tree, out of the Jeep. Um, but that happens after we see the fate of Dennis Nedry. John. John. I can't get Jurassic Park back online without Dennis Nedry. Ah, yes. Des yes. Nedry is, he's, he's in his along. Jeep, and he's, yep. he he did not make his his time. He did not make his his, his benchmark to get to the guy on the boat. Because of hand, the tropical storm. To hand off the goods, right. So, um, so he crashes into that sign Yep. and picks it up, and the sign is like, the arrow is not very sturdily <laughs> attached to the sign. It just kind of spins around there. So he's frustrated. <clears throat> he crashes the Jeep later. And he tries to pull his jeep out, and yep. we see he sees a little little dinosaur guy. Yep, and he, he crashes into the the Dilophosaurus pen. Yep. Which fun fact about the Dilophosaurus? F- the, t- tell me. The animatronic is that it does not move. I mean, it moves like its head moves, its tail moves, but it does not walk anywhere. It is stationary in every shot. It and is. You're they right. They did that because um, apparently they couldn't like. They just didn't like the way that it looked when it was walking around. Like, it just didn't look real. Huh. And so they decided to, instead of making it walk around, every time the camera moved away, that's when it, it moved. And mm. it was, like, suddenly in a new spot, and it kind of made it more creepy. 
that yeah. it was like that fast and was like, whoa, Jesus, there it is again. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, it, basically, its feet never move. It stays in the same place. Sure. I, I yeah. understand what you're saying. Yeah. Mechanically, they kept it stationary. Yeah. And it shot, just made shot. it creepier that in each time the camera moved, it moved. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, every time you look away from it, it's like, ah, move around. Right. Similar to how pets do when you look at them. And then you turn around, and then you look back, and, oh, Jesus. They're in your face. They're right there. Yes. Um, yeah. So Nedry doesn't know what he's dealing with. The Dilophosaurus, uh, you know, casually just spits some black gunk on him. Yep. And then again in his face, blinding him. Mm-hmm. And in the process, he loses his, the most prized asset he has, the can the canister yeah, full he, of specimens. Did he run into a tree or something? He turned around and ran into a branch? No, he, 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 when he was blinded, he ran to the, he hit the top of the door. And oh, the fe- door. He fell was backwards. Yeah, okay. of the Jeep, and he and the, it slid out of his jacket. Yeah. And he got, you know, and I, I don't know, the shot they use, they spent a long time on the shot of the mutt covering up the specimens. Like, I'm not sure what... I think they were intending to do something, like, as a sequel with it later. Because, you know, the the, the specimens wouldn't have lasted because the thing was only good for 36 hours inside the can. And yeah. then I guess they would have, would have gone bad. I mean, I go mud would have preserved it maybe a little longer, but it wasn't really explored, so I was wondering why they kept that shot so long. But anyway. Who knows? That doesn't matter because Nedry, Nedry's, you know, gets in the Jeep and... Uh, Dunzo. Dunzo and the Dilophosaurus... Opens doors, apparently, and just waiting for him. It's part of that creepy, like, it only moves when you're not looking at it. <laughs> and it, like, shakes, and it's, like, rattling. That's <laughs> when, it, when its fans it's got open up. It's the creepiest, like, growl. It's like it's got... It's, it's like a shaking so maracas. Weird. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's so creepy. And, yeah, um, Nedry's, been, Nedry's gone for it. He's done. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it's... We assume he's dead now. I, I don't think he made it. I don't think I don't think he lasted. Even if he even if he got away, where would he go? There's all kinds of crazy animals across the island. He's blind. He's probably bleeding out. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna die. He's done. I'm gonna run you over when I come back down. They get him out of the tree, and um, <clears throat> a fun little adventure. 
Yeah, now we out of the tree. Now we're but now we're starting to see this bonding between Grant and the kids, and Grant reluctantly taking his father, sort of father role. Yeah, because well he knows he's the only one there to look out for these kids, and they're not going to make it without him. So right, see he he has to step up. This responsibility is thrust upon him, and he does pretty well. You know, he takes him up to the into another tree, and they they hide out and they see some brachiosauruses, and Lex gets covered in snot, because that's fun. Mm-hmm. The, the veggie, veggie source. Veggie source. Veggie source. Like. Then we have another scene that I would have skipped also if I were a kid, but I appreciate now oh, more. Oh, the Hammond and uh, Sadler scene. Yes, when yes. they're in the dining room of the, in the visitor center. Yes, it's a good one. Where he's like eating, they're all both eating ice cream. Yeah. Eating away their feelings. And, and Sadler, again, also knocks him down because Hammond's still delusional. He still thinks, mm-hmm. hey, next time we'll do better. She's like, no. Dumbass, you can't do this. There shouldn't be a next time. Exactly. And um, it's a very powerful scene. And she's, yeah, she's all like, no, like, I understand. I was overwhelmed by this when I first got here. Like, wow, this is incredible. But then now she realizes, like, hey, no, this was a mistake. You can't do that. You can't do this. And I think it wasn't until the end that Hammond finally um, accepts that, you know, maybe I, I... should do this, but then we have sequels, so that's yeah. not not the, the full case. But uh, um, well, it's it, not Hammond in the sequel; it's Engine. It is, yeah. Engine they take control from well, Hammond in the movie. I don't remember the book. But. Yeah, the book's very different anyway. Yeah. Um, but you know, so we we cut back to Grant and the kids, and uh, they find the eggs. Mm-hmm. They find the eggs, and and yeah. and Grant laments that Malcolm was was correct that and, um, and the kids are even like. Wait, Grandpa said they were all girls. So then we, you know, we we call back to the frog sequencing. Yep, amphibian DNA. And uh, looks like uh, life uh, found a way. Yeah, certain frogs can spontaneously change sex or something like that. And yeah, and then now we have that, a... that happened with the dinosaurs. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But then we cut to uh, our our uh, everyone in the visitor center. The Grant, uh, not Grant, uh, Muldoon, Arnold, Hammond. Key check, space minus O, key checks off, safety space minus O. He's turning the safety systems off. He doesn't want anybody to see what he's about to do. Now, look at this next entry. It's the kicker. White rabbit object. Whatever it did, it did it all. But with the key checks off, the computer didn't file the keystroke, so the only way to find them now is to go through the computer's lines of code one by one. How many lines of code are there? About two million. Two million. Yeah. In Sattler and... They talk about oh, yeah. talk about the uh, you know Muldoon proposes kicking into the, the lysing um, the lysing contingency, mm-hmm. which would uh, kill kill kill, a, kill all the animals. And Hammond's like, no, 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 like these are my babies. We're not gonna do that, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, what about the lysing contingency? We could put that into effect. What's that? That is absolutely out of the question. The lysine contingency is intended to prevent the spread of the animals in case they ever get off the island. Dr. Wu inserted a gene that creates a single faulty enzyme in protein metabolism. The animals can't manufacture the amino acid lysine. Unless they're completely supplied with lysine by us, they slip into a coma and die. So they instead insist, hey, you know, people are dying, let's go try to restart the system. Arnold's very resistant to it because he doesn't know if it's going to work at all. Please shut down the system. 
But anyway, he goes, and we never see Arnold again, sadly. Oh, oh, whoa, 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 you're missing a key line here. What'd I say? Hold, Hold on, on to your, your butts. butts. <laughs> He's got to turn it off first. How could I forget? And then turn it back on. But then he has to leave because all the circuit breakers got flipped. Yep. And that's what it was, or got blown, or whatever you, so whatever had, the term is. I don't know. So he had to go outside to the other side of the compound. To the maintenance shed. And turn everything back on. Mm-hmm. Robert, I, I wonder if perhaps you would be good enough to take a gas jeep and bring back my grandchildren. Sure. Going with him. Anybody hear that? It's a, um, it's an impact tremor is what it is. I'm fairly alarmed here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We gotta get out of here. We gotta get out of here. Now, now, right now. Go, 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 let's go. Hey. to everyone the raptor pin yep. it shuts off for a short while and they in in that short span of time raptors are like oh we can get out <laughs> yeah, they pro they test the fences systematically and they found hey it's not on mm -hmm. let's get the f out of here and <clears throat> when he doesn't come back muldoon and like all right let's just go we'll go mm -hmm. fine. we'll do it ourselves it took too long and mm -hmm. um then we see the wrapper pin. We see the exposed wires, the the the, the pin wall broken, mm -hmm. and we see the tracks in the sand of the raptors having jumped out, moving on. And mm -hmm. Muldoon has this showdown with the raptors while Sadler runs, and she flips on the switches, and yep. and we get power back. Um, mm -hmm. But sadly, we see that Mr. Arnold no longer is with us. I think we're back in business. Our, I think our only our only spot of blood in the whole film is is pretty much the end right. of his arm is the severed arm. <clears throat> yeah, that's all I can think of is the arm. For a film that it, it, it shows people graphically being eaten alive. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then we're about to see another one with Muldoon. Um, he's he's stalking the one raptor, and he's totally he. They get the best, the best of him. They yeah. catch him with his pants down. He sees the one, and he thinks that's the only one. Forgets yep. about the others. There's only three rappers total. One's in the shed with Ellie, and then there's the two out in the jungle. That and Muldoon's the, the one that gets Muldoon. Mm-hmm. He wasn't tracking. That's and, right. And uh, man, that's such, such a creepy scene. That got me every time as a kid. I, I didn't like watching it. It's creepy. And then because that one raptor just like doesn't move. Right. And it's just chilling there. It's like laying on the ground or something. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, the big female. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. It's scary. That thing is terrifying when it sticks its head out and makes that hissing noise. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's creepy. Ugh. I never liked that, <clears throat> that whole scene. I never liked raptors. And then your whole that. clever girl. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody says it now. to the fences coming back on we see uh, Lex and Tim and Grant and they're you know they get stuck into a herd of gallimiuses mm-hmm. running away from the T-Rex which also shows how great the effects were because we see the T-Rex very briefly mm-hmm. at, in a long in a, in a long shot and the gallimiuses is like side by side with our humans yeah you know, running along a bunch of them all CGI and they look amazing yeah they look, they look so looks well pretty good Just like a flock of birds evading a predator. They're uh, they're flocking this way. They're trying to climb this fence to get out, out of the, I guess, the main open area that they're stuck in. Mm-hmm. And um, Grant has this great dad joke moment where he pretends to shock himself on the. Oh yes, dad joke. It's great. Oh, yeah. Lex hates it. Tim loves it. It's like, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it, too. I appreciate being a dad now. I appreciate the, the dad joke. Um, so they, they scale a fence, mm-hmm. and Tim's a little slower coming back down. And that is a great suspenseful scene where Ellie's saddler is turning on the buttons, and the very last, of course, of course, it's the last one. Oh, yeah. The button just to hit is the Tyrannosaur fence or whatever it was. Cutting back and forth between Tim just, like, sitting there. With yeah, just the, the alarm going off, and yeah, it's good. Yeah, but eventually she she hits the button, and we cut to Tim getting Get fried, launched off the. Fence. Yeah. And uh, three. <laughs> yep. Um, so kids got jokes. Kids got jokes. But you know, so yeah, so we lose Arnold and Muldoon to the Raptors, but Grant and the kids make it to the visitor center. Mm-hmm. And Grant's like, "Hey, I'll be right back." I don't know where he knows where to go. And I'm surprised neither he or Sattler run into the Raptors. Yeah, I think he was just trying to run around. <laughs> it's fine. He just he's just exploring. 
If it fits, I sits. Yeah, pretty much. Otto. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. Allow, allow him this. I need to take a picture of it. Or hurry up, he's going to jump out soon enough. Nope. <laughs> oh well. If it fits, I sits. Mm-hmm. Nice. He's very... You can edit that out. Of course. <laughs> I will. Um, this is not a visual medium. It's, it's not. No. Um, uh, but, um... Where are we at? So they, oh, so yeah, the, looking for each other. So the, and the kids get dropped off. And I, I never understood this. Like, the whole crew, in the movie version, of uh, at least, the whole crew uh, that works at the park is gone, except for... Hammond and his guests. And they left all the cakes out. And all the cakes were still, all the food's out. I assume it's because they were like preparing to have this food ready for them when they come back from the tour. And they just yeah. kind of left it and ran off to the uh, to the docks. Yeah. And they just didn't, didn't put the food away. That's my assumption. Because they were like, five minutes, get your ass to the pier. Yeah, but there was so much food left out. That's cool. That's fine. I mean, the kids had a great time. Oh, yeah. I, th- I mean, that's my assumption why there's food out because, you know, it was like celebration, dinner. This is what they were going to have when they came back from the tour. Right. Like, that kind of thing. That's the only reason I can think of there being so much food being out. And then, uh, yeah, so uh, um, they're eating that. They're having a good time mm-hmm. while Grant and Grant and Sadler are, are regrouping with Hammond and Malcolm in, in the bunker. And the raptors show up in the visitor center, and they chase the kids into the, the kitchen, and I love this scene. And they perfectly shadow their mural They do. The that, was, that was a fun little, I like that. Yeah. I, nice. I, I enjoyed that, that piece. It's a nice little thing. And, um, and yeah, so they, the kids run off into the kitchen, and, oh, this is like a master class in suspense and tension. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I think deep down, everyone knows these kids are going to be fine. You know they're not they're not in your real danger. Yeah, they're children in a children's movie. They're going to be okay. Well, not a children's movie, but you know what I mean, a family friendly movie. Yeah, they're going to make it. They're not going to get ripped apart and eaten alive. And they, they don't die in the book. They don't die here. Yeah. Um, but still, it's you still are like I like the camera is very low. You mm-hmm. st- it's very low with both the raptor's perspective and also mostly the kid's perspective, mm-hmm. and they, they crawl around and the raptors are just. They're just being dinosaurs. They're not malicious. They're just like, hey, we hunt things and we eat them. Yeah, they're not really like, well, I, I I don't think they even really went in there with the intent to like hunt these children. Like they were just kind of, hmm, looking around, being curious. Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the same time, who knows? They could have like smelled them or something. Or like hmm, like witches. I smell children. Well, you know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? <laughs> So, um, yeah, de- uh, Tim deftly <laughs> evades uh, uh, attack, and he slips and slides in the freezer, and they lock one. In, they lock one of the raptors in the, in the freezer, and uh, I think I think tries to get in the oven or whatever she's trying to get into. Yeah, that little little pantry that yeah. that has a sliding door. And luckily, that's the scene where you're like, oh my god, she's about to get eaten. When you're yeah. When you're a kid, you don't like you don't realize that it's a reflection right. until the very end. Yeah, it, that was very cleverly yeah. placed, well put together. So they lock one raptor in the in the freezer, mm-hmm. and cause now we only have two to contend with. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two. There's one that was in the bunker, uh, the maintenance shed with with Sattler. And she shuts the door. But I think it opens. But, it, I think it opens it back oh, up. Oh yeah, they, they, then have, they realize they learn how to open doors. 
and the one that's left in the kitchen chases after the kids, Sattler and Grant, and they go into the, uh, um, the control center. Control center. Yep. And then Lex gets her time to shine. Yep. This is where she becomes useful, where she was not useful in the book. And it's a Unix system. I know this. <laughs> yep. And I feel good. I feel good for her. She's like, yay! I get to play with my toys and have fun too. Yeah, it was like and, uh, her time. Her time to shine, and she did something that nobody else, none of the other three of them, would have been able to figure out. Right, and uh, um, so we, in, in the whole time, like Sadler and Grant are like holding the door against this one raptor, which is funny because it takes the two of them a very long time. Uh, it takes they use a lot of energy to hold the door shut, whereas it seems that Lex and Tim have a very easier time holding the door shut against the Raptor in the freezer. Maybe because the Raptor was sliding, but didn't have like a good yeah, traction, I maybe. assume. So I don't know, but um, and when they and because Lex came full speed running at the door and yeah. they body checked the door <laughs> to get it to shut. Yeah, and then they dropped a little lock on there, mm-hmm. a little latch, and uh, uh, so. That's and then we have a great line when after Lex turns everything back on, we get that nice little phone call. Crown, mm-hmm. Mr. Hammond, the phones are working. Children all right? The children are fine. Call the mainland. Tell them to send the damn helicopters. They sure are. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, um. You know, but the, the raptor's on the prowl. He starts breaking the glass, and they have to escape through the air vents. And then... Uh, starts to shoot him. And then Mr. Hammond has his moment of, Don't! Because he's like, No, my baby's still. Is that what he was saying? Yeah, he says he screams, Don't! When he hears the gunshots. I don't I don't know. I, I think he would value Grant putting lead into a dinosaur if it meant his grandchildren were being saved. The book... I'm sorry, the movie Hammond would. The book yes. Hammond, I don't know. But he doesn't give a, give a shit about his kid, grandkids in the book, it I seems. I think they were still trying to go for the, like, he's still torn. He wants to, he's not fully convinced yet that this is a bad idea. I don't know. I, th- I think at this point he's kind of, like, cutting his losses a little bit. He's kind of, like, dealing with, like, hey, you know, I could have not have done this and people would have still be alive and mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but then, you know, so now we have uh, the one raptor who's still left the kitchen and then the raptor who presumably got out of the maintenance shed mm-hmm. they corner our heroes in the great hall of the visitor center and then we have oh, but, but we can't miss one great moment of CGI that you don't really realize is there is it Lex's stunt double yes it is oh yeah yeah because she gets knocked down from the the like ceiling tiles or whatever and then falls down and then she looks up at the camera and it was like her stunt double's face, and they just like cut Lex's face off and Super, put it on. Superimposed. Yep. Yep. On the stunt double, and you don't even realize it was there. It's very quick cut oh, too. Oh yeah, real quick. Um, it's good. That's good. Little nugget to know. And, oh yeah. And then we have um, um, the Deus Ex Machina T Rex just breaks in. It's like mm-hmm. you don't hear him coming, you don't see him coming, but oh yeah, movie magic. It's great. Oh. He just. Doesn't make a giant hole in the wall like the Kool Aid guy when he comes in. Because that wasn't the like the the ending of the movie originally. It was totally different and kind of like. What was the original ending? The original ending was um, where when they jump onto the T Rex like fossil display mm. thing. Yeah, yeah. 
um, as they fall off, like one of the um, one of the raptors falls on the broken skeleton and gets pierced by like a, a one of the rib cages, one of the ribs mm-hmm. of the T Rex, and the other one gets crushed by like the skull or something. It was kind of lame, kind of anticlimactic. That's yeah. all. And so that's why when they were filming, they were like, uh, we need to come up with something better because this is kind of dull of an ending. And that's when um, I guess everybody was trying to pitch him ideas and Spielberg kind of went with his idea of just the T-Rex saving the day. Mr. Hammond, after careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. So have I. So what? It's movie magic. Yeah, let let it happen. It's fine. Who cares? I Who love cares? it. It's awesome. <laughs> That's all that matters. And it's great because you get a great shot after, after the humans bail out of the visitor center. We like great shot of the of the, the banner, the banner falling. Yep, when dinosaurs ruled the earth. Yeah, it's it's almost so it, it's borderline good. cheesy. It's too good, but I love it. But it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. And his it's, screen is is a roar at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. What was that roar made out of again? Oh, it was. Um, Hmm. I know some of them. I don't remember all of them, but it was like a dog, a dolphin, like a elephant. I'll all to, I'll to all check. mixed together. Yeah, it was like like, se- like layered together, like, like seven different animals. Like that's ridiculous. Um, okay, so uh, you know, we get the great score comes back again. They they. I've decided not to endorse your park. That's so have I. And then I like I like how the the helicopter is just. Hey, we're here, and the helicopter's ready to go. Um, I assume, like in the <clears throat> interim between him and getting the phone call from Grant, he called in somebody. That's the only explanation I can think of. Well, I can think too. Like it's the morning after the tropical storm. I imagine people are like, "Oh, time to go to work," and maybe flying in or taking the boat. Because in the movie, in the book, isn't it like a boat that comes in or something? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and I found it. It's the T-Rex's roars were a combination of a dog, penguin, tiger, alligator, and elephant. Oh, wow. All of those creatures. The raptor is the one that had, like, the dolphin and, like, a walrus and, like, some yeah. other weird stuff. That's crazy. They like did that, a pretty good job of... That high-pitched squeal noise that the raptor makes, that's a dolphin. What about the high-pitched noise that Nedry makes? That's his own voice. Man, Man's so talented. Oh, yeah. I can't do that sound. <laughs> Not even if I tried. Um, and then so they get in the helicopter, and, and they're heading away, heading to safety. And, and of course, uh, the kids and Grant all look like shit, covered in mud. Malcolm is just out of it, probably doped up on morphine. And mm-hmm. Sattler looks like she just got out of a shower. She yeah, she, looks, she looks fine. She looks great. Everybody else <laughs> looks, looks like clean, shit, and she looks awesome. She looks great. And then we and then we you know we get the nice shot of Grant. And Sadler looking out, Sadler looking out the window, and we see the 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 flock of of birds mm-hmm. and the whole thing. Like the birds came from dinosaurs. Good mm-hmm. little little tied a knot, tied a knot, nice on that one. Um, and then we have the end, directed by Steven Spielberg, and then in that beautiful font, beautiful, beautiful Jurassic font. Park font. <laughs> Love it. So, um, you know, what uh, before you saw this movie, what were you? What was going through your had because you were young, right? When you was before you. Yeah, I mean, I would have been probably five or six when I saw it. Cause I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it like at home, blockbuster rental. Yeah. And I mean, I probably was just like, "Oh my god, 
dinosaurs. Oh my God. Like I didn't care about anything else other than seeing dinosaurs. I'm sure that's all it was when I was a kid. And I think this, I was the same way. I remember, I remember watching the commercial on TV before it came out. And it was the one big shot that was in the commercial was the shot from Grant and Malcolm's perspective in the Jeep when he, T-Rex is walking through mm-hmm. the Jeeps. That was yeah. a big, that He's was a big through the headlights. Mar- marketing. Yeah. That's a big marketing piece. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, cool. I had no idea about Jurassic Park as far as the book yeah. or anything. I just knew no it was a movie about dinosaurs. That's all I knew about. My mom took it to, took me to go see it. I think I was seven at the time, and for the most part, she enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. All, all the ethical ethical talk and all the techno mumble jumbo went right over my head. I was yep. a kid. I just cared about the dinosaurs. Show me the fucking mm-hmm. dinosaurs. That's all I care about. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom, she covered my eyes up a few times. When Gennaro gets killed and when Muldoon gets killed, as um, moms do, as yeah. moms do. But um, mm-hmm. when I, when the movie came out, I think movie it took over a year for that movie to come out in VHS, if I recall. I mean, I'm not sure Probably. why. Well, because that's how long it took back then. Like no, for no, movies no. to come out on VHS, it took a long time. No, but but what well, that's true. But for Jurassic Park specifically, it took mm-hmm. a very long time. I think mm-hmm. because it stayed a long time in the theater. Probably. And. Um, I, mean, I remember a, when I got the VHS copy. Huh? It was a big deal movie and stayed out there for a long time. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure. Um, I, um, I, <laughs> I uh, remember um, getting a copy of the VHS later on. I was in, oh, God, fourth grade, fifth grade, I forget. And watching the scenes my mom covered my eyes up on, and I was like, this, eh, you don't see anything, really. Yeah, there's no... Gennaro gets shook around, and the bush covers up old dude and the raptor. There's very little on-screen violence, honestly. It's true. You don't really see like when Gennaro is the most violent thing. You see fully, full view. Even with Nedry getting killed, it's like the, it's a long shot of the jeep and She's you just see, around. yeah. Um, so I was really excited about seeing a movie about dinosaurs because, like I said, like like you, I was childhood just childhood curiosity. You want to see dinosaurs? They're fun. They don't they don't really exist anymore. So so we're talking about the effects and how they still hold up and mm-hmm. and the score. I think the score is one of those instantly recognizable. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you've been—I know you've been to Islands of Adventure, Universal. Yeah. And you rode the Jurassic Park ride. Mm-hmm. And like when you walk, you're walking away, or walking into Jurassic Park from I think where Dr. Seuss and all that kind of crap is, or you're walking into it from uh, uh, what's the other side of the island? I forget. Um, and use the like the speakers. In the in, in the Universal, in the and yeah, and yeah. Just, they have the score on repeat. Different yeah. parts of the score is just like, it's so warming and welcome. I love mm-hmm. it, and the, the ride's fun. I love the ride. Um, I mean, it's kind of dated. It's kind of silly, yeah, of course. But I love the T Rex at the end, and you go whoosh, whoosh, mm-hmm. down, and um, <laughs> based on the the scene that wasn't in the movie, it, the river scene. That's right. So they got the idea for the the ride. There's a scene in the buck for those that don't know. It's uh where they're like basically trying to escape the T Rex and a couple other dinosaurs on the river in like a raft or something. Yep, Grant, Lex, and Tim. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so um, so when I'm, you know the whole thing is like the score is so timeless, and I think that's just the charm of of John Williams and his genius because mm-hmm. he makes these really commercially viable soundtracks that just that carry on through yeah. generations. What other what other composer do people like go buy movie soundtracks for, from? Like buy the CD. I can't think of one. Like, I, I remember on Zimmer I, maybe, but who? I owned 
the Jurassic Park and the Lost World CDs, like <laughs> like the, the the CDs, and I listened to them all the time. I don't know, man. The Top Gun soundtrack's pretty good too. It is pretty good, but it's not a like a composed thing. The soundtrack has real songs on it. Too. Except there, there is a Top Gun compo- theme. There is. There um, is. It's a very good theme. But outside of the Harold Faltermeyer's Top Gun <laughs> work, it's just John Williams, I think. That uh, um, you you got that? I got it. You got it. The floating or, floating auto hair. Also, I believe Harold Faltermeyer. Um, Beverly Hills Cop. Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. You're, hey, we're hey we're 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 peeling the onion back it's a little a great, bit. Great theme. Yeah, he he has he has heyday in in the eighties for sure. Um, what are what are some things that if you had to pick a a, a flaw that really irked you the most in this film? There are none. No, I, no, I expect I expected not. Um, no, I mean the only thing I would say would be like as an adult, I kind of would like to see more. Um, I don't know, like kind of a darker tone, I guess, to it. But at the same time, I love the the lighter tone that they took in switching from the novel because the novel's very dark. It's very adult, and this yeah. the movie is pretty family friendly. Outside of a couple of intense kind of scary scenes with the T-Rex and the raptors and stuff. But, I mean, outside of those, it's pretty family-friendly. There's no, like, there's not a lot of swearing. There's not a lot of violence, like, on-screen violence. A lot of it's and, implied. Yeah, and I think it would be, it'd be cool to see, like, the real deal movie, but not necessary. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I was, I always uh, would it's, like to see, like, how it is. you know, pacing and stuff. Is what, what why a novel gets chopped so heavily, yeah. making it to the screen because like those long passages of Malcolm doling out his philosophical nonsense, you know, or the the would never make it onto a, a screen. Two hundred pages of exposition as to why the science works. Yeah, where you can just get that done with Mister DNA as far in right. thirty in like two minutes a minute. Right and. So, but it would kind of, all the kinetic scenes that actually happen in the book, like, and how they played out, like, like end-to-end, would be kind of be cool to see that translated on, on screen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a, a lot longer. Oh, yeah. It would be, be, like, at least three hours. At, at minimum three hours. Like a mini-series. Yeah, that, that would be, that'd that'd be better. Be awesome. You know, but these days, you, you can't remake anything without people crying and bitching and moaning. Well, I, I'm in that crowd sometimes. Yeah, to, to, to be... Yeah, to be fair, like I wouldn't want somebody to remake Jurassic Park. No. Unless it was a filmmaker I really trusted and they were going for book accuracy and not like trying to make redo Steven Spielberg's thing. Which is you know, funny enough if you think about it, if they were to make a a super duper faithful adaptation of this of this book to screen, it would look nothing like Spielberg's movie. No, it'd be Way different. Outside of like a few principal main characters, because it has to be on HBO or something. It's pretty dark. <laughs> it's pretty gnarly. But you know what I'm saying is that the the Lost World and Jurassic Park Three also borrow all oh yeah borrowed elements well, the scenes from, from the yeah the the So it'll be it'll be a completely different film. The um, the little girl in the beginning of the Lost World. It's the chapter one of Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of interested what that would look like. You know, the creepy stuff, like with the, I don't know if you remember from the novel in the beginning of it, there's all the the stories of uh, 
little creatures attacking infants in Costa mm-hmm. Rica. Yeah. All the little compy things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is creepy. Yeah. It's and, like uh, little 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 monsters coming in, and they're literally only attacking and killing babies. And like the babies. little raptors get, escape on the boat going yeah. to the mainland. Yep, it's freaking creepy. Um, it's a it's a dark novel. Like it's pretty, pretty dark. Yeah. So I would say I would actually be open to a. a I don't want to call it a remake because it wouldn't be remaking Jurassic Park. Steven Spielberg. It would be. A novel adaptation. It would be completely different. Yeah. It would not be the same. Kind I'd of be book open to that story. if, like, if like HBO is doing it, because I would trust HBO to do it well. They don't really put out crap typically, no, so they, they do. They, they, yeah. They don't put out bad stuff usually. Usually, they, they're they're pretty much on the on the money with everything yeah. they make. Um, what's your favorite part of the Jurassic Park? Like when people say, describe Jurassic. Well, I'll get ahead of myself. What's mm-hmm. your favorite part of Jurassic Park? I mean, my favorite part. Watching it like with my, like my like every time I go home I watch it with my sister, and I think our honestly favorite parts are probably the you know Dennis Nedry's laugh, his little squeal laugh. That's that's one of my favorite parts. We we watch that scene over and over again, and um, yeah, I love that part. And then, mm, I mean, I guess the the T Rex attack is is awesome. It's just amazing to watch the difference that the animatronics make versus just purely CGI or whatever. Like, it's awesome. I would agree. Like, that's... There's so many good scenes in this film. Um, it's so quotable, too. But as far as, like... You know, it is very quotable. So many great one-liners in there. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, like, my point is... Dr. Malcolm's little speech at, at lunch, mm-hmm. I, I love that a whole bit. Yeah. And I, I love how he kind of puts Hammond in his place. Mm-hmm. And... But like all the dinosaur scenes across the board are pretty well done. Um, mm-hmm. I like the, the Triceratops moment with Grant, and he's kind of like, you know, oh, when he's like really in love with this dinosaur. Yeah, it's like it's because it's like he's being a kid again, and the mm-hmm. kids the kids see him being a kid. Like, this is his lifelong dream to have to see a real dinosaur. Yeah, it's been his life. Like however old he is, forty five, I think he was when he made the movie, mm-hmm. and yeah, like. That's how like he's he's been waiting forty five years for this, and it's he's finally getting to live it. It's pretty awesome. If you were, if someone were to ask you, "Hey John, describe Jurassic Park to me in one maybe two sentences," hmm. like if you, if you were had if you were to give them the pitch, mm-hmm. hey, oh the hey, elevator pitch. Why should why should you should watch Jurassic Park? Person who's never watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> Just go with the gut. Go, go for mm. instinct. Do you like dinosaurs? I mean, nostalgia. I mean, if if, I mean, if it's somebody who's never seen it, then it's kind of hard to say. Sure. But if it's like, it's the reason I watch it every year is because of nostalgia. Like, I grew up watching it. It was my favorite movie watching when I was a kid, and it's just fun. Like, you know, I don't even have to talk to you about dinosaurs being in it or the CGI or the score or whatever. It's just a fun movie to watch. And that's 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 the good thing about like entertaining, you know, our our opinions on films and which art really moves us the most is always subjective. Like, because well, my favorite film is is The Shining, and your favorite film is Jurassic Park. We both recognize that there are way better films. There are significant flaws to our movies, but but to each other for each other's perspectives, like don't care doesn't matter. (laughs) It's what makes us 
the happiest, what moves us the most. You yeah. know, the because the, the nostalgia factor is a big thing for me with The Shining every, as well. Yeah, every time I watch, <clears throat> every time I watch Jurassic Park, I, I like. I get the chills when there's like little thing like the scene with the the when dinosaurs ruled the earth banner like I'm mm-hmm. like ooh it's, it's so cool it's <coughs> it's awesome I love doing that like watching those types of things and it's it gets me every time to kind of remember what it was like being a kid watching this movie and then quoting it mm-hmm. watching it with my sister or whatever or watching it with my wife Bridget like she's she's not she doesn't quote it quite as much as I do or I don't think she quotes it at all but even so she can't she can't compete with you man she's, she's still on this level here she, she will still put up with it and watch it because she likes the movie and yeah. everybody most people I know do like it whether right. they love it that's another story but you know most people like it yeah it's pretty universally acclaimed mm-hmm. let's talk ratings man mm. Mm. Is this gonna flawless victory? Flawless victory. I mean, yeah. This is a about a C for me. I'm just kidding. I hope not. <laughs> this is also a flawless victory. Um, out. It's got it's got so much going for it. It's mm-hmm. it's it hits all the right wickets. It hits all the right you know pushes all the right buttons with me. Um, it's nostalgic. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's, the nostalgia is the big factor for me. You know, I think that's the power of the if the story is so powerful, you want to go back to it. Mm-hmm. 27 years later and you want to watch it you again. want to sit through it again and again because there's movies that I've seen recently like I'll never watch again I know I'm, I know I'm fairly like confident I've seen the movie over a hundred times that's fair I mean as a kid I probably watched it multiple times a year as a kid there may have been a few moments in my adult life where I didn't watch it at all sure I've certainly made up for it <laughs> you know it's a long time with one movie. I love it. Love well, it. That's all that matters. Yeah. Anything else you wanna you wanna chime in on about this film? Um. Or call it a day. No, I mean, it's just it's a twenty seven year old movie that was trying brand new things, like with the CGI and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, other movies had used CGI before that, but right, they took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. Because what. I mean, am I wrong to think that did Judgment Day come out before or after? Judgment Day was two years before, 91. Uh, That's what I thought. So, like, Judgment Day took a big step forward with CGI. Mm -hmm. And then, but then they took it and ran with it and made, like, actual creatures instead of, like, a, 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 a metal man. (laughs) <laughs> Whatever you would call the liquid metal dude. T-1000? Well, I know that, but how you would describe him. Robert Patrick. Yes. But yeah, like they just took it, ran with it, and it's something that still works today. Now, like, not that many people are using the techniques that they used in particular because it's expensive and hard to make, like, robots and animatronics. I can, oh, yeah. I understand that. And it is significantly cheaper to use CGI, and it's a little bit. There's a lot more control you have over the final product. Yeah, but but like, it just doesn't have the same effect. I think that's kind of what I do. Like, I will say I do love about the new Star Wars movies, with given their flaws, like their use of animatronics and CGI is pretty good, because they're going back to the way it was. Trying to. A good healthy balance because an overbearing yeah. use of CGI puts you right out of the movie. 
Yeah, like all of the creatures and stuff that they're talking with and like sitting next to in the new Star Wars movies, they're all like, I wouldn't, real is not the real word, but they're physical. Like they're not. They sell it to you. They're not CGI. Right. They might have like a CGI mouth or whatever, like little things, but and that's still some, awesome. Some of the things that plagued the later Jurassic Park films and the episodes two and three of Star Wars is just this overabundance of effects that, like, it's like, again, just because you can, should you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I remember, like, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you know, they had a lot of CGI, but they had a lot of practical effects, too, that yeah. that look great. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that, that's going on 20 years of, ex- of being around now, those, yeah. those films, and mm-hmm. they hold up so well. But, yeah, you know, you got to learn the balance. You know, perfectly balanced as all things should be. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Classic. That's it for me. Yeah. That's all I got to talk about, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for stopping by, man. It was a good chat, and uh, I, I love this. I love this film so much, and I'm gonna watch it again pretty soon. I think I just. It's so good, so rewatchable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. Thanks for stopping by, and until uh, next time. There you have it, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. I'd like to thank John for coming out and hanging with me. And next time, my friend Jack stops by as we cross into martial arts territory as we discuss the early 90s action vehicle, Rapid Fire, starring the late and great Brandon Lee. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn on Spotify or wherever you hear podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and let us know what you think of the show. And if you like, please drop us a rating as well. Let us know how we're doing. Thanks again for stopping by, everyone. Until next time, take care, guys. <laughs>